You're listening to The Faster Freedom Show, hosted by us, Sam Prim and Lucas Walls, investors, entrepreneurs, and best friends. Two millennial Midwesterners who started a real estate side hustle and now own $40 million in rentals without using any of our own money. Now we're two average guys teaching other people how to use real estate investing to create financial freedom and generational wealth. If you're ready to learn how to take control of your future using real estate investments the simple way and have fun while doing it, you're in the right place. Let's start today's show. Hello and welcome to the Faster Freedom Show. My name is Sam. And I'm Lucas. Lucas, did you know we'll see. that we had a fun nine-year journey so far? I do know that. Are you not going to repeat the podcast that we just had to delete and say, now you're telling everybody it's no, nine I, years? I should now. So yeah, now finally you're into the correct year. Ninth so, year. We're going on 10. We're going on Someone 10. just start saying 10. 10. There, you're going to start and saying. You're going to start saying like six. You're, you're going to start backwards. saying, looks like we're 25 years of experience in real estate. <laughs> start combining them. Yeah. Um, so Luke's and I just recorded uh, phase two twice of our journey, and this is phase three, so I'll explain what that means. Lucas and I recently gave a presentation at our local meetup about the six phases of our real estate journey, starting from just trying to figure out what real estate was and what we wanted to do to our $45 million rental portfolio and our house buying company that buys about 300 houses a year and, and all the things we've been able to do recently. So it's been quite the journey. So what we decided to do was give a presentation on it. And mm. then what we decided to do was do a six-part series here on YouTube, or I guess this is going to be on YouTube here on the podcast, but also I'm doing it on YouTube as well. So it's really fun. Everybody should learn something from each phase, no matter where they are. And everybody listening is at one of the phases. So this is phase three. This is the first of the series you're listening to after this or right now, go back and listen to phase one and two mm. um, the last two episodes. And if not, then just listen to this and hop on back. What do you think walls? I think that's really good. And we got a few phases after this, don't we? Yep, for sure. We got we this is just this is the middle. So this this phase is investing with a full-time job. Phase one was school in quotation marks. We talked about how we um, went to quote unquote school by learning, how we learned, what books, what you know, podcasts, what we did to learn before we got started. Phase two was dollar and a dream, where we talked about our first deal and the lessons learned and all the screw up that happened in that first deal because there was a lot. And then phase three, we're talking about investing with the full-time job. This yeah. was probably the most taxing phase of our journey so far, as far as time spent, I feel like, cause we had full-time jobs and we're, you know, by the end of this phase, before we quit, we flipped like 30 houses that year with full-time jobs. Right. Yeah. In last phase, it's a dollar and a dream. So we're just like, you know, super, super high off the idea of investing in real estate and building this huge portfolio. But this is the phase that we're actually starting to do it. And in, in, in the grind is was real and started to take place. It did. Yeah. It came to a point where we're either like, we probably got to go all in or yeah. you know, slow down. And yeah, that's a good point. In, in Lucas Ball's fashion, we didn't slow down. We did not. We went all in. We went all in. Um, Cool. All right. So this episode, as always, is brought to you by Prime Corporate Services. They will literally set up an LLC for you for free. Man, the podcast we just recorded was so much better, but it was it goes out Monday and this is a Friday and they didn't the team didn't have time to cut up another one um, and replace the old one. So that was a really good podcast. It just got deleted. But anyways. We're done talking about that. Prime Corporate, they will set up an LLC for you for free. If you listen to the episode that we deleted that no one will ever hear again, we talked about how we set up our first LLC incorrectly. And to this day, it is not taxed properly and it's too hard to go back and fix it. Yep. So set up your LLC even before you buy your first rental, if your first flip, your first e-com store, whatever you do, whatever business you're in, set up an LLC and Prime Corporate Services via us will do it for you for free. So go to the show notes. Yeah. Get, get a free, guidance. Get, get a free 45-minute call. You don't have to put in credit card. It's a free call. 
anything about real estate, uh, taxes, um, LLC setup, uh, tax prep, um, bookkeeping, anything in any business, they will do it for you. They're incredible. So call them and just have a chat with our boys over there. All right, Lucas. Yes. So investing with the full-time job, this Ooh. was this was interesting. This was, you know, I mean, um, my full-time job was, was you know, mo- I would say like 80% of the office and then I would travel maybe 20% of the time. So uh, it was just so interesting. And it was, it was, I was an engineer, right? Engineer. Engineer. So I'm like taking these, you know, we're managing projects, we're making offers on deals, we're trying to find tenants. So I'm on the phone like multiple times a day at my desk. Mm-hmm. So it's just so awkward <laughs> of when I'm talking about like real estate, I'm supposed to be doing engineering and I would I would run billing up, clients. You know, yeah, billing clients and I was running that's probably some sort of fraud involved <laughs> there. But I was I was a good engineer still, but um and I got my work done. But still, it wasn't where my heart was. And uh, I would run out of the building and take calls. But um, I would say the biggest uh, area or, or part of the day where we were able to move the needle forward was uh, – and, and then you were traveling. Yeah, I, I traveled I traveled a lot. And then my, like, home office that I worked out of – or not my home, but, like, my base office I worked out of was, like, 70, mi- 70 yeah. 75 miles from my house. So I went – I drove 140 miles every yeah. single day, and but I was never – actually, I could listen to podcasts and do things. And make calls. But I couldn't, and, like, be on the yeah. computer or look at properties. Yeah, it was, just, I, it was just opposite. I, I was where never I in town. the computer, but I struggled with calls because I was in a room full of 30 other engineers. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah. So, uh, I was able to be the boots on the ground uh, for a while there while Sam's job was, you know, an hour and a half away. So, on my lunch breaks, I would uh, uh, run to the properties and either look at houses to put offers on and then uh, and then houses that we already own help uh, push those construction projects forward and, and manage those projects and meet contractors and stuff like and that. And you would have to go... Probably dressed in khakis. Oh yeah, you would have to go in shirt and your and up. your Nissan truck that didn't have AC. Yep, in the hot summers, I can imagine you just going out, drive around, checking out properties, getting all sweaty and gross, go back to the office. Like, what did you do? Did you go to the gym? Yeah, <laughs> that is so accurate. Yeah, I, I mean, there, there was times it wasn't all the summer, right? What? No, I know, but you just did. I just remember that. As you're talking, I remember that truck. It yeah. didn't have AC, and I remember spilling a whole, or not spilling, but I set a paint of uh, a can of Kills paint in the back, and it wasn't quite sealed, I guess. Yeah. And just like the half of that back of that bed was all. And that transmission white. went out, and I was like, I, I don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, like, that was like a, four grand. Interesting so, time. Interesting time. So we, I would take extended lunch breaks, is what I would call them. Two uh, two and a half hours. Two two and a half hours. Run around town, run to all these houses, and almost um, every day. Almost yeah, pretty often. And then I uh, still was able to get my engineer work done but um, you keep I mean, saying that so we carved out time during the day which was i don't know recommended or not it's what we had to do and then at at night as oh, well yeah. you know we we come home hang with the fam for a few hours you know get the kiddos to sleep uh at this time we you know this phase was probably right when we started to have kids. yeah this was part of this phase was before kids and then with one each yep yeah so i get the kiddos down and then have you know two or three or four hours depending on what we had to do that night to, to dig in on the real estate stuff and then on the weekends as well yeah evenings weekends you know literally 10 to 20 hours most weekends at least one full day if not uh one and a half or two full days so it was a a lot of work we learned a yeah. lot this was fun this was we learned more in this phase than the school phase but mm-hmm. the school phase got us to learn enough to get to this phase if that makes sense for sure so we were, we were busting our ass and I'm, I'm i'm not saying i 
you know, recommend that or don't recommend that or anything like that. We, that's just what we did. And that's just all we knew. So, um, we, we were busting our ass and, uh, um, decided that we probably couldn't go on like this, honestly. No. Uh, something had to give, whether it was our relationship with our uh, wives or children, which we didn't want that to give go, obviously. Whether it's, um, you know, our full-time job, which we weren't ready to give that up at the time, or whether it's real estate, which we weren't ready to give that up. So um, we started trying to get efficient and finding people to be able to help us, right? Yeah, I mean, there wasn't really any of them we could give up. We could, at this point, we could not have gone full-time in real estate. I mean, we, we could have figured it out, but we couldn't really go full-time real estate at this point. Yeah. And then obviously- we're Yeah, we weren't ready for that. And then um, our jobs we needed. And our, our, I remember specifically my wife wondering, like, why are you doing this? Because she hadn't oh, seen yeah. any of the I, I, That wasn't just your wife. No, either. I know. That was a lot of people like, were asking us that. Yeah, like, because we we hadn't seen any fruits of the labor because yeah. we were mainly buying rentals, a few flips, a few wholesales, but those were basically paying for screw-ups and, and having money in the bank. We weren't, like, putting any money in our mm-hmm. pockets from this for a couple years, and we were working really hard, and you had, a, you had a good job, and I had a great job, and they're like, what are you guys doing? So I ended up, and I've said the story a few times, but I ended up having to, uh, not having to, but I did, and I should have done it a long time, giving my wife PowerPoint presentation. So I would put together a PowerPoint presentation to explain what we were doing, where the business is, what the short-term goals, what the long-term goals were, you know, how I'm going to be have more time at home eventually, and how we're going to have more money eventually. Right now, this is what you have to do, because I did a horrible job communicating uh, with her the plans and the vision and the dream at first. So it all has come to fruition, and then some, which is cool to look back and say that, like, my presentations were, were accurate, but, um, yeah, it was, it was a, a tough time and us being kind of idiots that we are didn't probably communicate it properly. Yes, that is true. So at this phase where rental wise, I don't know, this is probably from when we had three rentals to, what do you think? 40? This is probably like two. Yeah. This is probably like uh, late 2015 to late 2017, two years, yeah, probably two year stretch here. And, I'd say uh, third. I, I, I was looked, I looked back at a quick, I think we had about 30 doors. Yeah. So we, uh, so we're, we're just trying to, and then, and then we're also adding fix and flips mm-hmm. to the strategy at this point. Uh, and the idea behind the fix and flip was to take that profit, save it, and then eventually go put a down payment on an apartment building. That mm-hmm. was our, that was our plan with the flip, fix and flip money. Um, so I, I knew that engineering wasn't, um, the, the, where I wanted to be. I knew my heart was in real estate. My head was in real estate. Everything about what I was doing was in real estate. So we started trying to create like a little plan for, for me to get full-time that first. Was the initial plan, yep. Um, and uh, our plan to do that was to get enough rentals where the, uh, you know, I could pay myself as a property manager or um, something like that or, or pay pay ourselves off a of cash flow. Uh, and, and to do that, you just got to have a lot of rentals. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense to do that. That's just not, I don't even tell all of our students that. I tell them, you know, rentals eventually maybe replace your income as they grow in cash flow over time. Mm-hmm. But you're going to want those reserves in there because things go wrong. You need active income. For sure. Even though you have to work for your rental income, I look at it as passive, especially because it's so small. You need that big chunks of active income, whether that be a W-2 job and 
then eventually I think it makes sense that we could talk about the, you know, when we quit our when we quit our jobs, which is the next episode, we'll get into more detail on this. But that's where you you need that large chunks of active income via flips or wholesales, in my opinion. That's really the way I would suggest 90% of people do it is yeah. build rentals, active income through something in real estate, which again, that's the next episode, but then bigger chunks with wholesales and flips. Cause it's in the exact same lane as rentals, it's just a little bit yeah. different exit strategy. Yeah, making the leap to full-time real estate is phase four. Mm-hmm. And we'll we'll really dig into that. And that's kind of when that started to click click that active income side of things. But in this phase, our plan was to build enough rentals so we can go full time. And uh, smart. it did not it didn't work. Uh, until a lot we, of our original plans didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> but um the good news is we were supercharging our portfolio and most of the houses that we were adding at this time we still own to this day. Yeah, um, yeah I would say there's just a few that we don't. So in in those of y'all listening knows what the market was back in 2015, 16 and 17 and you know we say Oh man, I wish we could have bought more houses at that time, but we we bought everything. Yeah, <laughs> we bought as much as we could. Yeah. And I, could actually handle. Yeah. I mean, I would say those properties have literally gone up about 50% in value, most of them. Probably yeah, more than that. Probably more than that. During Which that, is, that that's been a really good stretch. Well, obviously. that's the hottest, that's the biggest yeah, increase ever in a five-year period. Yeah. And it was in St. Louis. So I know some areas have seen more, but in St. Louis, 50% increase in, you know, that a uh, five, six year period was was awesome. Yeah. A minimum. Um, So I'm glad we bought as many as we did. Looking back, wish we bought more, but I don't think we could have bought more. Like, I agree with you. So a a big question I get from a lot of different people, I'm not going to be drinking that, so you can just grab both for you. Um, A big uh, question that we get a lot of is, you know, how do you get help at first? Because, like, how do you hire? When do you hire? Who do you hire? And I look at it as Lucas and I just are doing so many things, wearing so many hats, and when it becomes too much, you just hire somebody to take a few things off of each of us, and then when all three of us, the, you know, people we had on our team pulling out our hair, then you just, as needs arise and as certain, like, you know, I guess, buckets leak a little bit, you just hire to fill those, fill those, you know, patches or fill those holes with patches. So that's how we did it. There was no strategic plan to it, but what we did, the first key hire we did, and not all these people are, were W2 employees, um, but they're just either contractors or people that worked mainly for us, but not only for us. First thing we did was we brought property management in-house. We hired that out originally. So that was off of our plate, but we weren't getting the care. Our tenants weren't getting the care because we're landlords, not slumlords. Our tenants weren't getting the care that we wanted and our assets, our properties were not getting taken care of like we wanted. So we took that in-house. We hired somebody part-time who had been in a property management in the past. Um, she just wanted a few hours a week. So we hired her and she grew with us for a while. And then the other thing we did was we basically just hired a you know, a contractor project manager to just take on a little bit more of those responsibilities. Lucas still kind of manages those properties. I, in fact, manages the properties as well, um, the projects, I guess. But what we did was we just had a contractor that we paid a little bit more. So if we needed to raise uh, $50,000 for a fix and flip for the rehab portion, we would raise $55,000 and $5,000 of those funds would go towards paying a project manager to kind of help out. So those were kind of the first key main things we did was pro- property management in-house part-time and then also um, project management uh, in-house part-time, I guess is a way to put it. But both of them were not employees. They were contractors. For sure. There, there are two key things that, number one, we, we still have these roles in our office to this day. And number two, um, actually, there's, did I say three things? Still have these roles in the office to, to, to this day. So that's how important they were. Mm-hmm. Um, the cost can be baked in to the project, like Sam said. Um, you Either know, rental income or rehab or funds. Or rehab funds. 
uh, and number three, these where this is where the majority of our time was going. So this is going to free up the most of our time, and it's not a lot. It's not like we were going to sit on our hands with this free time at this point. We were we were not satisfied, so we could use this free time to execute more revenue generating activities. And that's where we wanted our time to go. Buying assets, you know, working with the banks, trying to get the best terms, uh, just working on building and scaling instead of the day to day. Yeah. And I think uh, phase five, so next phase is going to be quitting a full-time job. Phase five is going to be scaling. Stage six is going to be building a team in a withstanding company. Stage six, we really talk about. um, So that's in a few episodes from now. So check that out if you're watching this after it's been out for a little while. But um, phase six is when we really talk about building a team and hiring people to do things that better than we do them. Yep. And allowing us to do things in our genius zone. So, yeah, so we just start kind of dipped our toes into having people work with us slash for us. Um, so that was kind of our, our original steps in this phase where a lot of time spent the properties, pretty inefficient, growing, learning a lot, buying what we could, figuring things out, weaving, bobbing, weaving, get that, boom, boom. And then um, starting to communicate better with people before we decided to make that leap, which is where next episode starts off. Yeah. Um. So, Lucas, you want to talk a little bit about um, kind of some of the challenges that we had at this For time, sure. and then we can get on to kind of our biggest wins, our biggest takeaways that we think were most impactful. Absolutely. So, learned a lot during this time. Uh, uh, we talked about time uh, and, and how that was a, a, a huge challenge for us. I'm not going to div dig in too much on that, uh, but I will talk about uh, this one specific deal that we did in in we talked about earlier, we were buying everything that we had the funding for and the time to do at this time. And uh, that included buying some not so great deals. And uh, Sam and I took down a three pack of houses. Um, Two of them were tenant occupied and one of them was vacant. Um, We loved the vacant property, but uh, it was the same owner and we had to buy the other two houses in order to get the vacant property. So um, bought the three pack is what we call it and did a, did a little fix and flip spruce up and, and sold the vacant one and, and made some good money on it. Uh, the other two came with tenants and it was in, uh, I would say not exactly the areas that we want to be. So um, we, and they were, they were okay condition, but we just bought them didn't touch them, sent them to the bank and then uh, didn't even show up for the appraisal and just hoped that they would appraise for 20% more, right? And, and they should have, honestly. But um, since we didn't do any repairs, since we didn't meet the appraiser at the bank, these appraisals actually came in less than what we purchased them for. So that was a tough time. And uh, do you remember what you said to me when you saw te- those appraisals? I texted Lucas. I was like, all right, we're done with real estate. I think at this time we had maybe eight or 10 rentals. And I just said, Lucas, we're done. We had to bring $27,000 to the table, which we probably could have scrounged together through personal funds and a little bit of business funds, but that would have wiped us clean. I was like, this is not worth it. We've been working for, you know, at this point, probably two years, maybe a year and a half, working our butts off. Um, and we just, you know, have to come up with $27,000 to hold two rentals that we don't even like. So I remember texting Lucas. I was like, we're done with this. It was fun. Let's go back to figuring something else, some other side hustle out. And fortunately, surprisingly, oddly, Lucas had a little bit of level of a head because yeah. she's the hot head. Well, yeah, we reached out to our banker and kind of figured out some some options, right? And you always have options when the appraiser com- comes back low, right? Uh, one option is to... Um, 
go to a different bank and they'll use it in a different appraiser. And then, uh, you know, it's a very subjective number. So uh, you can meet that appraiser and hopefully justify your your stuff. You can do some work before you get it appraised. But one of the things that we decided to do is, is sell them. And if your appraiser, appraisal comes back low and you're confident you can sell it for higher, that's what we did. So one of the houses we sold because um, it was the, the crappier of the two and pretty much just broke even, mm-hmm. just w- walked away. And the other house, and that was the worst appraisal. That yep. was the majority of the twenty-seven grand that we had to bring. That was, like was from that house, 19, yeah. yeah. So then we had another what? Let's say ten grand on the other house that were low, but we kind of liked that house a little better and had a good tenant and cash flowed. Um, so we were able to take that ten grand, and um, the house that we talk about on the dollar in the dream phase, Saturn uh, had enough equity by this point with some debt pay down and some appreciation that we we're able to tie that extra ten grand to that deal. Uh, to that loan, so we still came to the table on on refinance of this one house uh, with with nothing. Yeah, so we, the, basically the moral of that story is we were able to get creative and make it so work because that's one of the beautiful things about real estate. Just not to pick on stocks, but Lucas, when the stock goes down, I, I mean, I'm not a stock expert. I guess you have options. You can hold it. You can you can wait for it to go back up. You can, you know, cut your losses and write it off. But you don't really have a ton of options. Probably more than I'm I know, but not a ton. In real estate, you do have a lot of options. You control that asset. It would be like. In the stock market, if you owned Apple and Apple dipped 10% over the next six months, which I don't think they're probably going to do, but if they do, um, you're, you're kind of at the whims of that. You only have the responsibilities of what you can do with your money. But in real estate, it's like you own Apple. If Apple dips 10% and you own Apple, you can try to come up with a new product. You can lay people off. You can do several different things to try and help the bottom line. So when you're investing in real estate, it's like you own the company that you're investing in in the stock market. That's how much control you have over it. You can sell it. You can refinance it. You can tie the you know debt on it to another property. You can bring in a partner. You can sell it partially. There's so many different things you can do. Um, that's the beautiful thing about real estate. It's extremely flexible. Yep, absolutely. It allows so, you to uh, screw up a lot what you do in real estate. Yeah, we, I think we've we've had an episode on this, but about how important those, those failures and challenges are to you, uh, your growth as an investor until to your growth as a business. So um, I just kind of welcomed it and we just kind of welcomed it and figured out what we can learn from them and get better in it. And what we learned from these, and we've never made this mistake again to this day, is meet your appraiser at every single appraisal. Yep. And, uh, and, and, in or- and just build that relationship and be able to explain your case and justify why you think this house is worth X. Because it's extremely subjective, like, you know, running comps, and being an appraisal, there's like some art to it. There's some math to it. There's some science to yeah. it. It's a mixture of everything. And if you meet them and build a relationship with them, and a lot of times they'll ask you, what do you think this is worth or what do you oh, need yeah. out of this? And, you know, they're not going to, if it's worth, if it's probably worth 150 and you say you need 200, they're not going to give you 200. For sure. But if it's probably worth 150 and you say, I need 155 yeah. to make, to not come out of pocket, if you build a relationship with them, as long as they're not going to like, as long as they can justify it some way, which they can usually, yeah. then they will appraise it for 155. For sure. They just, they're people, they're humans, they, they do it. And an appraiser's job is a lot easier if they have a sale contract to as a benchmark, right? Yeah, the house is under contract for this. Uh, that's what it you know hopefully needs to appraise for. They might come in a little lower, a little higher sometimes, but at least they have a benchmark. With a refinance, there's nothing to go off of. It's a blank slate, so you got to help guide them in some sort of direction before they start digging into the numbers. Yeah, because... If they don't know, they're just going to err on the conservative side just mm-hmm. to be safe. So, yeah, a good point. And the other challenge we had this time was we talked about it a lot was yeah. time. Just trying to figure out squeeze time out of the day. Everybody has the same 24 hours in a day. So we squeezed 
time and did what we could in our spare time. And this is when we really kind of started to learn a lot about leverage and leveraging other people's skills. We already had leveraging other people's knowledge. Um, we already had been leveraging other people's money, but now we were starting to leverage other people's skills. Leveraging and hiring or giving responsibilities and you know taking things off your plate and let other people do things is the ultimate form of leverage for sure. Love it. So those are two huge challenges for us. Uh, the win, I would say the biggest win for this phase of the journey, uh, phase three, investing with full-time jobs was adding flicks, fix and flips to our strategy. So um, it's, it's, it's just very powerful to understand the purchase, rehab, sell, profit strategy because um, it's so similar to the purchase, rehab, rent, refinance strategy. It's just at the very end, it's just two different little ways in the road that you can turn. So um, we started to understand that process, started to learn the construction process on what it takes to quickly get a $30,000, $40,000 rehab done and ready for sale or ready for refinance, uh, along with bringing on a, a general contractor and project manager to help us learn that process because construction is such a huge part of this game. And we started to get comfortable and realize what is our sweet spot and understand our niche and know what, we, what products we wanted to take on. Yeah, this was just I always tell people um, this is kind of like the action phase of it uh, you know we took action before, but this is when we really started to take action. And you're only going to learn 75% from, or you're only going to learn 25% from, you know, reading books, listening to podcasts, watching shows like this, which hopefully you're following us on all of our social media platforms, but you're going to learn 75% by actually doing it. And this is where we learn so much by actively, you know, pushing and spending time and yep. energy and effort and, you know, inefficiently doing it, but doing it ourselves and yep. help us be efficient in the future. It did like now. Like now, yes, much more efficient for sure. Um, cool, Walls. Well, what do you think? Should we uh, should we tell them what we, game we played last time and let them play a little bit and press yeah, pause? Yeah, let's, right. let's do that. Okay, so the episode that we just recorded that we spent 45 minutes on this morning that we love this deleted, um, the repeat of last episode, um, because we recorded it and two weeks later recorded it again and forgot. I don't know how neither of us knew we did that before. But anyways, it was there's uh, eight franchises in the four major sports that don't have an S at the end of them, meaning like the Titans, the Rams, the Cardinals, the Bears, they end in S. And there's eight of them that do not end in S in football, basketball, uh, baseball, and hockey. And we got, I think, five or six of them, but it took a little bit of time. So press pause or think about them now. We'll go over the ones that we got, and we'll talk about the ones we missed. So we got the Heat. We got the Jazz. We got the Avalanche. We got the White Sox. We got the Red Sox, and we got one more. I think that's all we got, right? Did we? We missed, and we should not have missed, the Magic. The Lightning. The Lightning. Uh, the, the Washington football team when they before they switched uh, to the Commanders. And then the time. Wild. We would never have got the Wild. The wild. Minnesota yeah. Wild. So those are the eight slash nine with the bonus of teams that don't end in S, I believe. Let me check just to make sure we're not missing one. I don't think we are. Yeah, if we are, let us know. Yeah, if we yeah, are, Drop it in there. Um, but yeah, that's that's crazy. Yeah, that was that was a little bit more fun last episode that we missed. It, that's but yeah. a good one. And to to to, to uh, piggyback off of that one, at some point here, we should. Uh, did we say thunder? When, yeah, I mean, when we did it, we, we said thunder. We, the, yeah, so yep. we got the Heat, Thunder, Jazz, Avalanche, Red Sox, White Sox, the football team. We missed the magic. Lightning, which we should have got. The Wild, we never would have gotten the Magic. So yep. we should have been eight for nine. Yeah. That's pretty good. Eight, yeah, eight for nine. It should have been. Should have been, yep. Yep. Maybe we can do the the most valuable sports franchises. On the that's on, a that's a fun one. The net worth or whatever, yeah. Yeah. That'd be fun. That would be super fun. 
So cool. All right. So hopefully you enjoyed this episode. If you did, make sure to give us a review and ready. You don't have to, but be a lot cooler if you did. So for sure. So we're getting ready to play our throw the outline of the trash can game, but please subscribe, share this with a friend. The best way to get this podcast out is to share it with, uh, with a friend. That's the best way to help get this out. If you learn something and this is, this is phase three. So if you haven't listened to phase one and two, and we got phase four, five and six coming out soon. Oh, buckets. That's buckets. an easy one for both of us. If I miss this, I quit. I mean, what are you quitting? The shooting at the game? Yeah. Okay. I'm just going to stop well, it. Probably because I'm up five You're if up you miss. three right now. <laughs> All right. I'm nervous now. Should be. Oh, <laughs> shit. I'm done. We're done with this game. Thanks for listening to today's episode. We hope you got some major value from our conversation. If you love what you learn, make sure you like, rate, review the show, and help us spread the word by telling a friend. If you'd like to learn more about working with me inside one of my programs, we'll have those links in the show notes along with all our social media handles so you connect with us there for free. If there's a real estate question you'd like us to answer, feel free to send us a message and we'll cover it in an upcoming show.